but one thing I know for sure is that Lindor is a pro. He's played a lot of baseball his whole life. He's got great hands, a great bat. He'll be all right to go. The Browns traded for Odell Cornelius Beckham Jr. Let's go. This is a joke. Young men expressing themselves. I guarantee you Benny Snell will be a great running back in the NFL. I'm not going down to anyone's basement. Piss me off, Marty. <laughs> Splooge. And it is Tuesday, April 2nd, 2019. And the White Sox are dead. Guys, how are we doing today? Baseball is finally back. This is the first episode with games that are counting being played. How are we first feeling? All, first of all, this janky-ass equipment I'm using over here. <laughs> Only here out of one ear. What kind of what kind of stuff you got set up over here? You what? can take the headphones off when we're not playing sound bites, and you'll hear it'll be perfectly fine for you. Or Janky-ass equipment. Or oh. invest in a $5 pair of headphones. That's all you or need. Or that too. No, that looks expensive. <laughs> well, then stop complaining about what you're getting for free then. I expect high quality stuff. From... You're about to lose mic privileges. Yeah, right. <laughs> You've got a mute button. I would like to say good job on that intro. That sounds really nice. Yeah, you know, it, luckily for me, it only took about 10 minutes to do. So I saved up a lot of those cuts from throughout the previous shows and some things that didn't quite go over air. Um, but, you know, just keep an eye out. There might be a little bit more add-ons as we go on as we, you know, get some better sound bites. But, like I said, in the open, there's a lot to talk about in baseball. So, uh, yeah, both of our teams right now are uh, in interesting spots. They haven't started out of the gate very hot. But obviously, as you like to know, it's not time to freak out. Obviously, you've played four games at this point, like... There's, you, you okay over there? Yeah, just keep talking. Don't mind me. <laughs> Damn. You lost. I lost my train of thought. Um, well, what speak, I'm trying to say speak, is, speak, speak. Yeah, watch your language. Hey, okay? I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Relax. Um, it's funny because it's like it's a weird start to the baseball season because everything you expect hasn't happened yet. So all of your big name programs, the Boston Red Sox, the Yankees, um, I guess the. Odd one out, and probably the one that's doing best off right now are the Dodgers. But you go down the list of teams like the Astros, who started one and three against the race. Like, we forget that they had a pretty decent season last year, and they're just picking up right off of that. Um, you're also talking about obviously the Indians after today's home opener, they go to two and two. But honestly, it hasn't looked good. And there's one big stat that I've been pointing to as this weekend has gone on and now is finished is that they went and had 39 strikeouts in the opening series against the Twins, I think we can start off there by saying, wow, I'm not shocked at all because this is what we expected, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've we aired our complaints about uh, Vian Berklio. Oh, correct? for the past three years. Yeah. 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 And then honestly, like, with Jose, because for those of you who haven't been able to catch the games, Jose has been, well, the defense has been putting on a lot of shifts, mainly Minnesota. So, therefore, leaving the third base position completely open, and Jose has just been completely unable to lay down a good bunt. And this this Indians team, we, when was the last time you saw the, an Indian lay down a good bunt? It's been years. It's been quite a while, honestly. I, I couldn't even tell you when. Like, he doesn't, Jose Jacoby doesn't even. Ellsbury. Uh, we were talking about Indians, not. He played with the Indians. What? I, I, I must have no, missed that. I, I, no, uh, <laughs> J.D. Drew. That's, uh, I think he did have a stint, but right, that's not who I'm thinking of. Regardless, that's pushing back. It's going back years, like I said. And, like, 
Jose doesn't even look athletic when he's trying to bunt. Like his no. his grip hand is just he's holding like the the handle all the way with like a closed fist. Which yeah, very tight, huh? Anyone, anyone holding the shaft very tight. Bundy, thank please. you for our next <laughs> soundbite there, Bundy. Like anyone, anyone knows that if you do that and you catch a fastball right on the knuckles, that's gonna break a finger. You gotta you gotta learn how to hold the bat, caress it. Bundy, you're losing the topic here. But Bundy, you know what? <laughs> Since you you want to be chattery right now, I'll turn the focus over to you and your Red Sox. What's going on? I, listen, listen, the, listen. What's listen, going listen. on with this bullpen? Listen, because this is listen. this is the worst unkept secret that happened all throughout the preseason. Whether we're talking about the Indians and their batting, and then the Red Sox and their bullpen. Listen. Explain yourself. Listen. It's been four freaking games. But you're still allowed to react to what you've seen so no, far. Hey, listen, it's a long, it's a hundred, it's a long season. And you're in last place. <laughs> it's a long season. And you have a bullpen that, I mean, but here's the thing. <clears throat> That's one thing to be saying that about a team like the Astros that are struggling, that they got guys like uh, Correa who's still working his way back from an injury. The slow starts happen. But we've known for the entire offseason that the, the bullpen for the Red Sox we're going to struggle without a guy like Kimbrel at the back end. He's still out there. You never know. We might pick him. We might pick him up. Now it sounds like the chatter is is that the Brewers and the uh, Braves are actually two teams that are now, in on him. Now be careful now because what could happen is you could see Evaldi go to the bullpen and pick up Keuchel. I don't see well, that. Dallas. I, I don't see. Then you go with Dallas. You got Sale. You got Price. Mm. I just don't oh. see Keiko as being a guy they would be interested in. Why? Because I don't feel like moving Avaldi to the pen is their for their their idea oh, at this because point. Because last year during the playoffs it didn't work. I mean, yeah, so you're right. the same thing happened for Price, but it's not like they kept Price there. Because Price is a starter. Same thing with Avaldi. Avaldi yeah, was Avaldi has right? stuff for proven, starter. Has been proven that he's best on seven days rest. Six or more days right. I mean, we could say the same thing about Price because he had that resurgence as a bullpen guy. Listen, all I'm saying, and I'm not too worried about this process. We've got two guys in the back of the bullpen that's going to get the job done for us. Who? You see, Who? Well, you got Barnes back there. Are you pulling up a roster? You got right Brazier now? back there. <laughs> that is a roster, I see. He's pulling up the roster because he doesn't know the name of his players. Oh, my God. Bundy. What do you mean? Bundy. That's the only reason why you would have to pull I that I don't up. memorize him. I'm sorry. Oh, it's he, a 25-man <laughs> roster. How hard is it to memorize oh, I've that? I've been kind of busy doing other stuff with the new bishop coming in. If if you're is a big like, fan of a team, no, no, that no, stuff. no, 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 no. You got more. But bandwagon fans. No, we've got more stuff <laughs> Don't pay on. attention. Nope, bull****. We got more stuff oh, happening. Bundy. Oh, we got our first one of the day. The, the new bishop would not approve of that language. He's a Mets fan, actually. Yeah, oh, God bless. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> uh, let's actually let's talk about that division real quick. So uh it's been an interesting start. So we saw the Phillies look as hot as a lot of people were expecting. Um what Bryce is one home run? Actually two. Oh he hit one today. But no, he had one last night. Oh, I didn't see it. I was busy. Well, then again, because you don't follow this stuff, you don't I was know busy. what you're talking about. I was busy. That's fine, but I mean, same with me. And I was busy during the Jackets game a couple days ago, but no, I still figured out. Was that? Your, man, you are just you're on a roll. You're hitting the beeper all day today, man. 
I have to lay down a marker after every spot where someone <laughs> drops a bomb like that because if I don't, I'm going to forget it and then I'm going to get an email from Apple saying, what's going on here? Uh, we got to get an E next to your, your uh, podcast name on iTunes. See, I'm the only one that hasn't said anything bad in this podcast. I'm the only clean mouth here. Right. I I can't remember why I did. I think I got upset with something and you know you start yelling and you forget, but he's just over here dropping F, 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 F. Like, Bundy's on a roll. It's like when Dabo first came in, the first like 10 words. Yeah. <laughs> it was a blank show, right? Hey, listen, calm down. I'm a little I, I, heated up right now, a little tired as well. Going with the Phillies. Tooth hurting. I would. I absolutely love the fact that they booed Bryce in the first game. I love yeah, that's, that. That's Philly that, nature. Philly nature. Producer, get out. Producer, get out. That is one hundred percent Philly, and I absolutely love that. But it's funny to watch early on in the season who's going to produce right away and who can keep it up. You know, last year we saw with uh, the White Sox, Matt Davison was a popular name. He hit like five home runs in the first four games, and people were wondering if that's a guy that could sustain that throughout the year. Um, in terms of the Phillies, the guy I'm seeing right now that are, that's doing that, and you have to question whether he can keep it or, keep it up or not, is that Michael Franco, who's playing third base right now. And honestly, he was in a tight race to get that starting spot in the first place with Scott Kingery. But, Bundy, I'm looking towards you. This this roster right now, and in terms of the batting order, it's pretty deep. There's no real weak spot at the moment. What what would make you think that this team isn't the just the— Odds-on favorite to win this division. The Phillies? Yeah. Too much hype. Too much arrogance. Uh, I, listen, listen, listen. I'm telling you what, the Mets can come out of nowhere and win the division. You called me crazy with, okay. I, I, I know. Let's go I, back, I, to, I know. Let's hey, go I, back listen, to hot takes. When I, said, I said they would win the division, said you, you said fourth. I know. I was wrong. <laughs> You're wrong after four games? <laughs> I told you this two weeks ago I was here. So he's admitting defeat on that, but then for the Red Sox, it's a long season, though. It is a long season. Yeah, see, the problem is, is you're not being consistent with your analysis. Listen, I'm watching. Pick a, pick a narrative. The eye test tells you something different. Okay, let's go back to the Red Sox real quick. You think up and down that bullpen, they can sustain a 162-game season and be productive at a level that requires them to be the division champs? At the end of the day, they'll be all right. They're going to have to get some moves, but they'll be all right. Well, I mean, what type of moves? I mean... If you're saying they're all right, but they need some type of moves, then are they really all right? Well, let's spend some, a little bit of cash. It's all right. Let's spend a little oh, bit of money. You do. You sure do know how to do that now, don't you? <laughs> we'll spend some money, get the right guys there. Like I said, it's a long season. Right. I want to talk about this Rays team real it quick. It helps your owners willing to pay some money. Yeah, we don't need to go back to that. Honestly. How about, how about Dolan's pocket? Well, you know, what hey, like. if you showed up to the last how podcast. Tight, how you... tight are they? How tight are they? Tight? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're one of the... Uh, Richest owners in the league right now, so yeah, I, but I don't. He's not spending any kind of money for y'all. Yeah, we understand. We've that. addressed that honestly. If you were here for the last podcast, you would have known that. I was busy. Of course, you're always busy for some well, reason. You had, but... a, you had a long week. You could have listened to it. Ah, uh, you're right. See, he doesn't come prepared to any of this, and it's just like it sets the podcast back. I had a script in my head of how we would attack the baseball scene. We're already about 11 minutes into the show, and we've only gotten about two teams in because he's just all over the place. Well, where do you want to go next? Come on, direct us. That's he fine. Did. He just said the Rays. The Rays. The Rays are a team I want to look at. Yeah, they got a good team. They have a good team. Good but manager. It's, it's yes, I love. Uh, what the hell is his name? Is it Cashman? Something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Something. Something Cashman. Are they still doing that? Are they still doing that dumb thing where they're starting the reliever? 
Uh, bring it the they actually they were I, doing it tonight. I think I, tonight I, was a bullpen game. That's but, a smart. That's a smart. That's a smart move, though. They are up to four starters now, though. Well, well, it's one thing to call him a starter, though. But well, granted, I believe they're. Uh, I forget his name, but the the most recent starter, they kind of like weaned him into it. Cause I believe he was coming off injury. Um, so I mean, I, I mean that makes sense. So you kind of just limit limit it from that perspective. I mean, they can have starters, but it's all about how they use them. Right. And whether they go three, four innings or whether it's a – I think, honestly, within that rotation, the real exception to it is Blake Snell, the form, the Cy Young correct. winner yeah, from he'll last be, season. Correct. Yeah, he'll throw again. Who uh, so. had a rough opening. Uh, while it was the Astros, he he looked kind of rough. He'll still throw a sub-three ERA. Sub-three? In that division? Yeah, he'll probably put up a 2-7. If he puts up a two seven in that division, props to him. I th- he should win the Cy Young again because that's that's that type of division when you're facing the Red Sox and the Yankees nineteen times. Yeah, he's facing them what three times or two two times probably. Depends how the starts line up. How the starts line up, he could only face them three times. Well, of course, it depends on how they work the rotation and whatnot and how they address all that. But because last year he kind of came out of nowhere and. He didn't come out of nowhere. He just he kind of burst onto the scene. Yeah. He was always a guy that people had their eyes on, but not obviously what he did last year. Now, speaking of the Phillies, speaking of the uh, Rays, let's move on to Archer. Although the uh, You mean the Pirates. Pittsburgh Pirates yeah. guy? Yeah. He's going to be, I think he's going to be a good little ball player this year. It depends. I mean, again, that's another division where it's going to be tough for him to pitch day in and day out. In that, where you got the Cubs, you got the Cardinals, who, honestly, I had some optimism in the Cardinals, but they could quite easily win one of those wild card spots. Cardinals would be good. Cubs suck. The Cubs, um, we can touch on them in a little bit, but we're watching them right now as is recording. They're down 5 nothing to the Braves, and... This will be the Braves' first win. But is Hendricks their ace, too? Well, okay, that's a great question. Who is their ace? Because are you considering Lester still? No, he's old and washed up. He had a rough year last year, and I don't think people acknowledge that enough. Yeah, what is that? Sub five ERA? It was four something. Yeah, it was up in there. He's still he's still getting the strikeouts. That's that's what's keeping him relevant. In that is he, throwing, is he throwing the first base as well? Uh, he's done a little bit better on that. Yeah, but let's go down the list. Like, okay, Jose Quintana is their number five, and on a lot of teams. They would probably stretch to make him a two or a three. But the issue is is that they have so many average pitchers right now in that rotation that it's – you don't feel confident in any of them. So your one – I don't know. Let's just go in terms of the order of how they pitched him. Number one was Lester. We just said he's he's on the decline. It's obvious. Number two is you Darvish, which I didn't understand at all. Why was you Darvish number two in the line other than maybe a matchup thing? With their opening weekend series, guy's but trash. He's not good. Hasn't been he hasn't good been since good since his early t- uh, Rangers well, since days. Since the Rangers playoff game when he was tipping pitches, because he was tipping pitches, right. and since that time he has not been good. Uh, I believe your number three would be Hendricks. It's game four. Uh, so Who would be three then? Uh, Hamels. Oh Cole yes, Hamels. okay, Cole Hamels. Um. Old and washed up. Old, he's, honestly, his approach is more like Lester. He's going to get the strikeouts, but he's going to throw, his ERA is going to be up in the north of high fours. They got to hit. They got to hit. 
Schroeder's got to hit above 250. Which he hasn't done. You got to see Javi's going to have to stay at the plate, and he's got to hit 310. See, here's the thing. We got to learn is what was last year Javi's kind of peak year. No, I think I think last year was his coming out year. I think Javi's a really good ball but player. But can he sustain it at the rate that he swings and pitches? I think he can. But he he's such a chaser. But you saw it kind of go down last year. His his swing rate went down a little bit last year. It has to continue then, because I don't know how he can continue that rate. It's kind of the same thing with the analytics behind Kristen Ye- or Yelich's home runs. Yeah. And his fly ball rate was just insane. It was astronomical. You don't see it in this day of modern baseball. The rate with which his balls in the air were going out, it just wasn't common. And he had a lot of luck with his home runs. Um, uh, I it's just lucky. in terms of the analytics on balls, his fly ball rate, it was considered lucky with how high it was. Mm. Um. I, I think you you can you can apply that in this situation for Javi Baez. Um, does he hit as high of a batting average? I think he was in like the two sevens, two eights last year. Yeah. Does it go down? I believe he'll regress to the mean in some aspect of that. But they're gonna need it. He's hitting cleanup for this team right now. He's got to He has to hit two ninety five or above. I, I don't think he can do that. He hits three ten. He wins MVP. Well, it's going to depend on what Yelich does. Because he, I mean, we were in the same spot last year, and Yelich went and hit damn near three thirty. Yeah, and he's starting off pretty hot this year too, isn't he? He yeah. had four home yeah, runs four. in each of the first four yeah. games. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> but I mean, you got another guy, Anthony Rizzo, or yeah, Rizzo, right there at hitting third, and he's had. 2,500 home runs and 100 RBIs in each of the last four years. You need him to sustain that. But you also need support from the guys that you paid and they're not producing. Like Chris Bryant, is he still hurt? Chris Bryant is okay. He's playing tonight. He's so you need Chris, he's all right. He needs to get his average need, up, obviously. You need Chris to produce. You need Kyle to produce. You need you Jason need, Hayward because you're paying him all that money to do squat. Well, that was a mistake. But okay. It was a huge mistake. I think he's and pay- then. You also need Wilson Contreras to actually play baseball this year. Wilson Contreras is another one of those in the Javi Bias mix of swing and miss. Rate is pretty high. His K rate's also pretty high. Um, he needs to get at least north of 240 for me to feel comfortable, and I don't know if he can do that. It helps me play when you stay on the field, though. <laughs> right. That's big, too. When you stay on the field, that helps your average a little bit. Well, yeah, obviously, but... I- I'm just looking up and down the roster. Like they have a lot of these type of guys where it's they're swing swinging, they're swinging for defenses. They're they're they have a high K rate, but they also have a high hard hard hit rate. Listen, they're not putting they're not going to put a single a single double. That's not their mantra. Yeah, I'm saying they're they're putting a single home run, single single home run. They're not they're not playing that small small ball baseball, if you will. I mean, go up and down that roster. Who would outside of maybe Ben Zobrist? Well. Ian, uh, Ian Happ's not doing that. I, you know, I'm a big believer in that small ball sometimes. Small ball. Well, yeah, but the issue is, is the Cubs aren't built for that. No, I mean they don't have, they don't have the bullpen for it. So, and trust me, I'm not going to shed a tear over that, right? Oh, absolutely not. They but, can burn. But uh, I think the last thing to touch on in this MLB topic is, well, two things. We'll go out west to the NL. Um, first off, what have we seen from the Padres so far? They look like a they look like a fun little team over there. Fun, I think fun's the right way to put that. That Fernando T- Tatis Jr. He's gonna be a fun little guy to watch at shortstop for the future. Right, and then also too, I don't know how many people saw this, but uh, 
instead of uh, you know how most teams have like hot dog races and stuff, the Padres they have uh, the Anchorman race based off the the movie the Anchorman one and two. They have the the anchors actually running the race now, which I think is absolutely hilarious because that was based in San Diego. Right. Um, so no, I I. Honestly, they're they're becoming one of uh, a team to watch for me. And, and you also have Manny Machado running down balls in the foul territory, making I mean, diving catches. Congrats! I mean, I mean it's giving, not like giving, <laughs> I mean that's well, not like no, no, no. giving effort is a it's a step up for well Johnny for Hustle. Machado. Yeah, that's right. Um, that was a big thing for him. Come on now. Well, I think this to try. Yeah, <laughs> I think one of the more surprising aspects to this Padres team right now is the pitching. You know, from Paddock, the guy who got his first MLB start last night, pretty impressive. So if they can get contributions from that young pitching staff, it's going to go a long way to where they can be aggressive at the trade deadline, and maybe they're in this thing late in the season. Man, he might have more insight than we did, huh? <laughs> he, he might. I mean, this team is just so intriguing. I, I don't know what to expect from them in the long term this season. But is it hard to say that they're one of the teams that could compete for that NL West? While they might not be very close with the Dodgers, the Dodgers look amazing right now. But can they be that number two team in that spot and maybe find their way to slide into a wild card? I mean, it's all just going to depend then on what happens in the East. Um, well, in the Central, too. Sure. I mean, I feel like the, the East is more or less going to beat up on each other, as we said in previous podcasts. And then, obviously, the Central, you have your you have your top contenders. And then, I mean, how, heck, even the, the Reds are they, are... they put themselves in their offseason moves in a place that it appears that they're trying to compete. So, I mean, you never know what can happen with them, either. Right. I. The more you talk about that, the more I feel like it's kind of accepted that the East is going to get two teams in. I think that's just the dominant division in the NL. Uh, the Central is going to be interesting because I think that can go along the lines of beating up on each other. At For that second wild card spot right now, if I had to debate on what it's going to be between, it's going to be that number two team in the West, which right now, honestly, overreaction might be the case here, but I would have to put the Padres as the edge to get that spot if I was selecting it today. And it would go against the number, <clears throat> excuse me, the number two team in the Central, which at this point you can make an argument whether it's going to be the Cardinals or the Cubs. I mean that honestly, that's pretty tight. I don't even know if I could predict that like right this minute. No, it's it's as Bundy referred to earlier. It is a long season, so you never know what's going to happen. Right, Bundy? This is true. Lots going on. I mean, the Yankees are. Like I said earlier, they're just bitten by the injury bug right now. Stanton and Andujar both hit the, we have to say it correctly now, it's the IL, the injured list. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, no, it's interesting. It's a very interesting opening weekend. There's been a lot of competitive baseball to start. A lot of surprising starts, but hopefully it's a sign of competitive baseball to go throughout the year. I don't want to see a lot of these tanking teams, although we're going to get to it at a point. I like seeing this competitive aspect to the sport early on, and hopefully there's a lot of teams we're not expecting to be there in the end that are making runs at it late into the season. Unfortunately, that might involve a team like the Twins making a run at the Central. Right, yeah. I mean, as I predicted uh, before this season got started, that the Twins would be the Indians' toughest competition in the Central. Um, so, I mean, yeah, no, I I fully expect the, the Twins to stay in there and just hang out for the wild card. Yeah, that, I'm... 
very nervous is the best way to put that. I'm very nervous what I saw out of the Twins this past weekend. I mean, if they're getting contributions from a guy like Byron Bust, Buxton at the end of their lineup, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. A guy that couldn't hit the baseball for a lick before he went through all his injuries and whatnot comes back, and now you add in the factor of his speed on the bases. I mean, that's only the cream of this frothy coffee they got going on up there in Minnesota right now. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just going to come down to uh, their pitching, which uh, Barrios, he looked well in their uh, in their first start there. So Barrios? Yeah. I just want to correct you there. Thank you. Uh, well, let's be honest. All those pitchers looked pretty good against the Indians as they struck out 13 times in each of those games. Uh, another interesting note from that game, or that series rather, is that the three-hole hitter for the Indians in that series, I believe, went like one of... 12, like one for 12 with seven strikeouts. I think six of those were by Naquin himself. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Indians got to figure something out offensively. Quickly on the Indians, I think it's going to be interesting when we start seeing these call-ups happen. I believe at some point you're going to get cargo uh, from Columbus. Yeah. That's going to fill out your outfield depth. And who knows, maybe Oscar Mercado finds his way up there in the near future if he hits well enough in Columbus to start off. And then turning the tables on it and looking at the shortstop position, can we get Eric Stemmets out of the lineup like immediately? Like he's awful. He's I, I get it. He's a Central Ohio kid. He went to Dublin. Uh, I don't I don't want to be incorrect. I think he went to Kaufman, but there is no reason why that kid should be in the lineup. He's bad. He's not good. Well, you see, it would it would be nice if we had uh, had like I don't know maybe a utility infielder that Max Moroff. He had the RBI today. Well, right, but I was just going along with. I mean, I'm fine. Also, if we would have kept Eric Gonzalez, yeah, that that, that would have been good too. But you know, no, that's good. No, why would you want that? Because that's who you got in return is Max Moroff and then Jordan Luplo. Right, and then also too like Yandy down there with Tampa. He's hitting. Uh, he's hitting three thirty three right now. And the biggest concern with Yandi was always that he it's was... It's been five games! Yeah, and he's hitting a hell of a lot better than the Indians are. Five freaking games. You realize that division titles can be won or lost in the first couple of weeks of the season. You know that, right? In the first month, yes. Not in the first five games. Jeez. But it gives you the trends to follow. See, this is the issue because you have this mentality and then you completely blow it when you try to follow up on this stuff later on. This... Basically, what I've seen out of the first series in one game for the Indians is everything that I expected and that we all saw coming in the offseason, that our rotation, our starting rotation is going to be absolutely fire, and then our offense is just going to be struggling because we didn't really address any of those issues. And then we're, we're seeing that. Like, today was a perfect example of that. Clevenger pitched a hell of a game. Our bullpen blows it. Offense was struggling, and somehow the opposing team in our division finds a way to lose the game. I mean, the White Sox walked in two runs today. Right. That's terrible. Is Kipnis playing? No, no he's, he's still, still on the IL. That's unfortunate. He's your <laughs> offense right there. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it is the air Kip. There's one more point I wanted to make, and it goes along with what Terry said the other day in terms of talking about uh, the hitters are trying too hard. You want guys to start feeling good about themselves, not not just trying to keep their head above water. You want them to go up there feeling good. So, yeah, heck yeah, I was yelling for statements in the ninth inning. You know, you want guys to to start to feel like, okay, I can I can do this. 
And clearly he's talking about the final game against the Twins and talking about late in the game. But it goes along with the, t- the topic of, I believe this is a result of, they're trying to be too aggressive because of the weather and they're trying to jump on pitches from pitchers. We're not seeing these guys rack up high pitch counts early in the game. And I- I've noticed that. I think Ivan Nova today had only 93 pitches through seven. Like, they're not taking at-bats deep into it. They're trying to jump on early pitches, which I understand that's a, that's a tactic to use early on in the season when it's cold out. But this is a team that we're expecting not to hit very well, so why would you not work counts? I mean, there's there's a lot of question marks about our, about our offense that I just wonder why we do some of the things that we do. And then, like, I, going back to Jose, what we started this segment with, like, yes— it's one thing, like, yeah, try and bunt, but, like, if you physically cannot get the bunt down, why would you even try and, like, ruin your rhythm? Because, obviously, he he was not comfortable up there at all. He didn't look comfortable. Nothing looked natural. So just swing the bat. Trying to do what we can't do well might be the quote of the season. So there was another big event going on in Cleveland today. I don't know if you heard about it. But a guy by the name of Odell Beckham Jr. was introduced as a new member of the Cleveland Browns. Oh, I thought that was the big event and the home opener was the the other. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I almost forgot about the opener. And if, let's say those times overlapped, I would 100% would have missed that baseball game. Yeah, was, things are... We have more higher priorities now. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. My mood heading into this show recording tonight is it was honestly, it was getting swung so much from that game today because had we lost that game with that bold pin breakdown and notably Adam, uh, yeah, Adam Simber throwing that throwing air the first base, which was, I don't know if you saw it, but it was, yeah, ugly. I did. it was ugly. Well, I mean, he's so used to going with the little submarine action. So him right. actually going over the top with it, it just didn't look natural. Right. But I, I what I was going to say is it almost swung my mood and I would have came here and would have said something along the lines of, you know, I love baseball and I love it because it's such an analytical sport. And that's what I love about sports. And it's why I play fantasy sports in the process. But I, I'll never stop watching baseball, but quite honestly, just the feel of how this team has started and the mood that it puts you in, it's almost at a point where I was more looking forward towards anything football related and didn't give a damn about anything Indians related. And I think a lot of that not only has to do with the start of the season, but what the precedent, our owner, which then goes down and it's handed down to our front office, it's that they just don't give a damn. And it's it's weird because it's such a contrast to what we're seeing with this front office of the Browns. It's a complete 180. Like, it's just two different mentalities right now. It's refreshing is what it is. It is. Like, there was years where we were seeing it on both ends, and it's like you had to pick and choose. Oh, well, do I—at least the Indians might be good this year, but you know the Browns aren't going to spend the money, and they're just going to be bad over here. But it's it's kind of like the roles are reversed. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we've always heard that Cleveland is a Browns town, and more or less through our lifetime, like, we never really got to experience that just because of how poor the Browns have been. But, I mean— so I want to going up to the the home opener just last year, and granted, like Baker was or the the season opener, and Grant Baker wasn't starting, but just like there was 
there was electricity in the air and you didn't really even know, like we didn't know then what we know now about what we could actually see out of this Browns team. So it, it's just nice that like Cleveland is very much so a Browns town. And I think it, it's showing and you'll see that on Twitter all the time too. And just, there's so much discontent right now with what the Indians have done and with the Dolans. And then, as you said, just a complete 180 looking at the Browns organization. Like, there's just so much excitement. I mean, have we ever seen anything with this Indians team? And I know it's not a fair comparison across sports like this, but, I mean, you're, t- you're talking about a football team that's adding four pro bowlers. I mean, four per- perennial pro bowlers in Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, Odell Beckham Jr., and um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, there you go. Of course, because he's not going to be there for the first eight weeks, of obviously. But yes, four consensus perennial Pro Bowlers. Like that's just called good management. It's, it's good management, and it's not something you see in the other side of the, the sports spectrum. So it's not honestly, it's not fair to compare. But at the same time, it's all about the effort. That's the thing is you're not seeing the same effort on the other side of town. Yeah. Well, okay. First of all, Dorsey did take a stab at a few guys. What do you mean? OBJ is a basket case at some at times. Is he though? Hunts got issues. Okay, nothing's guaranteed there. Obviously, his contract's not even guaranteed. Not a single cent on it. Like, yeah, that's kind of what they expected when they brought him in. Saying that's yeah, Pro Bowlers, yes, but at what at what cost? This false narrative that OBJ is some type of locker room pro- problem. He's the opposite Ask of locker Eli. room. Problem. Because Eli was bad. And honestly, he wasn't an issue in the locker room. He just was fed up with a quarterback that couldn't get him the ball. He was frustrated with losing. Like, statistically, Eli Manning was the— So you call him okay, but you call A.B. a basket case. A.B. is demanding getting traded, and he's not going to show up. Like, those were two different things. Did Odell ever refuse to show up during practice during a week? Is A— is OBJ like throwing shots at his former teammates like AB's doing? Like I here's my question. I guess we can spend a lot of time on this is how are you making this comparison? I'm just throwing things out there. Yeah, mean, well, we understand that. That's what you do. <laughs> no, I mean I'm by him being serious, like there has to be some kind of acknowledgement that OBJ has a the stereotype of a cancer next to his name. Because it, I honestly feel like that's more of a portrayal of the the New York media, the market. Like I think that's just a narrative they've created. More or I mean, so, we'll see. no, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm, I'm saying sure. we'll see. And I think he might fit better in the locker room that you have with the Browns because they have a chip on shoulder. They play a lot of different kind of ball down there, so he might work out for him. I mean, let's say the trade never happened. I've still not seen Odell Beckham as some type of attitude problem guy. I think he was just so passionate that the. Giants couldn't fulfill the highest of his capabilities. And he said that in the press conference today. He he doesn't feel like his numbers truly speak, and he, he noted that people say numbers never lie. Well, and he thinks in his case it has. Like, he hasn't really reached his full potential in his eyes. Well, we'll see. We will see. Well, obviously, see. you'll always see whenever there's a change made. We'll be seeing OBJ, Juice, maybe even... uh. Tyreek. I honestly think the only person that was mad today is probably Giants fans and Pete Smith. If you know who I'm talking about, you'll know that Pete Smith hates anything that has to do with Jarvis Landry, 
Uh, he called Jarvis the 17th best player on the Browns today. Ooh. He loves to just say Jarvis Landry isn't worth what he's being paid and he's not worth being a top receiver on a team. Like, I, I honestly, at this point, and I, I don't want to carry too much onto this topic, but Smith obviously has some type of personal vendetta against Jarvis, and I feel bad for him in that case. He does pretty well on his evaluations of players in most times, but it, it definitely seems like it's personal to him. But since we're talking about Jarvis, I think we, we can tie this in. You could tell how strong that bond was today in that press conference. Oh, no, it was it was amazing to see because uh, they were just kind of going back and forth. Uh, Jarvis was sharing a little bit about both of them down at LSU and how they were basically teaching each other and working on all their one-handed catches. And, like, Jarvis was saying that Odell was the, the reason why he was good at it, and then Odell was just firing it right back. Like, it was just... It was nice to see. Like, they have such a strong bond, and I'm just very excited for that kind of chemistry. And to me, like, them playing college together, like, I don't think we'll see an issue where if one player in one game is getting the ball more than the other, like, I don't see him, the the one that isn't getting the ball, I don't see them getting upset. Like, I feel like they, because they play together, so they understand that they each bring something to the table and what on any particular game, one of them can provide a little bit more than the other, and I don't think they'll have any problem being the second receiver in that game. Like I, I, I'm very happy with uh, bringing in their chemistry and having their bond, as you said. See, everything I've, I've observed from Odell in his past, it's he really hasn't complained about not getting the ball. It's that the capability of getting him the ball. And it's the, the stats backed it up in terms of talking about Eli Manning. He was one of the worst passers in the league last year in terms of trying to throw the ball downfield. And when you're talking about a guy with Odell Beckham, that's what he excels in. You obviously can't get him the ball then. Uh, the, num- <laughs> the numbers add up. But I don't think that would ever be an issue because I don't feel like he's in the camp of demanding all those targets and getting upset if he doesn't get them. You know, his press conference today, he pretty much made that clear. As he's worried about the team aspect of the game. And all ideas I've gotten away from listening to former players talk about whether they were in the Giants locker room or just personnel experts, whatever, talked about. That's really what he was big on is the locker room, the team aspect. Obviously, he said it today, wide receivers obviously want to catch the ball. They want to score touchdowns. But the team is his sole focus. That's very nice to see because obviously it is a team sport and I mean, having being a star and then also just still being about the team is a very good asset to have. Um, I mean, obviously he has the the skills to get it done, but then being uh, humble enough to put the team before yourself is a very very good asset to to have. And then honestly too, um, I I just uh, saw this and it kind of reminded me of a celebration that Odell had, which I think will play into a, a nice part now that he's part of the dog pound. You remember a couple of years ago against the Eagles, uh, Odell celebration where he was down on all fours, lifted a leg. Ah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I hope we see yeah. a return of that. I mean, I I can do without it, but I <laughs> I guess I I, I get fitting. what you're saying. It's fitting as, as being a part of the dog pound. Sure, I mean, I don't know if I care for the fines and whatnot that comes with it. Uh, if he fine. wants to deal with that, that's fine. But it's not. <laughs> I don't know if I'm sitting here today and saying, oh, man, I really can't wait to see what moves he breaks out on touchdown celebrations this year. Well, it's just solely that one. I, oh. The rest of them are fine, but I think that one plays in. 
I mean, I mean that's fine. I I don't know if I'm gonna be angry or mad or disappointed if he doesn't break it out. That's fair. But there's some more. Obviously, we can touch on a lot more things here. Uh, we could probably touch on it in our final segment. But with the result of bringing in all of this talent, there's always going to be talent that wants to be out because they're losing spots and. Quite honestly, there's some two big names that one's out and the other one's on its way, it seems like. All right, so we're, we're going to carry the show because Bondi seems to want to just tap out and... He's got college baseball to invest in. Right. I'm right here, but I'm watching... I know you're right there. <laughs> Red Sox game will start here in a minute. Who do they play? Athletics. Who's their closer? Oh, he knows that. Okay. Uh, can you? Who's the Red Sox closer? Barnes. Who's starting? Who's starting tonight? Yeah. No, who's starting tomorrow? That's who I care about. Well, give oh, me, give tomorrow. me either. You it, 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 tonight, doesn't no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Might tonight? Might tomorrow is sale. <laughs> you know, just let it go. <laughs> you're digging yourself. Starting. You're digging yourself <laughs> into a bigger <laughs> hole. Just, just let it ride. So I teased coming into the segment that there's a couple of names we need to watch out for in trades. Well, one of them we already know is gone. Emmanuel Ogba did not show up today for voluntary, is it technically termed voluntary workouts, even though I don't even know if they worked out today. Yeah, this thing is just kind of a more show up in the building. <laughs> oh, right. The Browns were blessed with, uh, since they had a new coach, they got in a week earlier than teams that have a returning head coach. So Right. So you have... Uh, you had two names, notably, that did not show up today, and one of them's already been traded, so I guess you can already put two and two together for the second name. But the first name we'll start off with is defensive end Emmanuel Ogba, who quite honestly lost his position the moment that we traded for Olivier Vernon. Uh, you traded him to the Chiefs in a straight-up deal. Quite honestly, it was pretty cheap in terms of I, I felt like I, I wasn't impressed with Ogba this past year, but I still believe that the Chiefs got the better end of this deal. In return, the Browns received safety, Eric Murray, the same day that they cut Derek Kindred, I believe is the way you pronounce his last name. Kindred, yeah. Yeah, he's been with the team for the past couple of years. He's one of the last guys of the Sashi Brown era. I interpreted this trade as a guy that honestly would have been depth at your defensive end position for a guy that's going to be depth at the position of strong safety, unless if they don't quite honestly address the position strong enough in the draft or the remaining uh, guys on the market for free agency. But what's on the positive side for the Browns is that that position in general is pretty strong in this draft coming up. And there's also big name talents like Trey Boston and Eric Berry still on the market. So while I don't love the trade and what you got in return, I'm okay with it because, quite honestly, what was Agba really bringing to you? I believe P, uh, Pro Football Focus had his grade as a 64 last season, which is a little bit above average. And on the flip side, looking at Eric Murray, his was around 67. Yeah. So if you're really looking deep into those numbers, you'd think, okay, the Browns did pretty well for themselves. But uh, honestly, this kind of felt like a trade that was satisfying the player that was heading out. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Um, as you said, it was more of just adding depth. Um, so getting Eric Murray, it's just adding depth at the safety position. And I mean, he has the same, like above average rank as Ogba did. So, uh, it's not, 
definitely not a blockbuster by any means, but I mean, it's I'm fine with it. And then it's just kind of a kind of more of a mentality thing, because obviously, if a guy doesn't want to be there, you don't want him around, because then that just kind of suck the energy out of everyone else. So, I believe this could lead to another situation where they maybe they go with adding a defensive end in the in the draft, somebody on a rookie deal, somebody low risk. I mean. I don't know. I'm trying to angle this the best I can, but it's they feel like they're in a comfortable enough spot on defensive end where they can just pick up someone easily in the draft and be comfortable in filling that role, sliding into where uh, Agba would have been. And it's also kind of overcompensating for, let's just put it as kindly as possible, the Chad Thomas pick isn't really looking too good right now. And I, I think you need to add another guy at that spot while you're letting one go. You need to fill his spot, essentially. Um, but in terms of the talent you're missing with Agba, I don't really think you're missing a whole lot. I mean, he was serviceable. I, I will give him that. He was serviceable. He was very nice to have. But it's not like he was doing anything, any single trait overly well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that, that analysis. And his pass rushing ability was rather weak on the lesser side of average. And it's why you probably made that conservative effort to go get Olivier Vernon. So you can get that better pass rusher on the other side of Miles Garrett. And it kind of eliminates the ability to... You got something over there? Not important to you guys. Okay. Uh, It's just Hunter Green. What about him? Tommy John. Oh, really? Yeah. That's no, that's big. I mean, honestly, if anybody out there that's listening is a Cincinnati Reds fan or Cincinnati sports fan in general, that's a big blow because this is a guy that you were hoping that was going to take bigger steps to slowly get his way up into a promotion possibility. Obviously, I didn't expect that this year, but getting into a situation where at least he could get up to Louisville. Yeah, no, he's having Tommy John. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, Number three prospect. Tommy number Jones. three po- prospect, and he had a lot of upside ever since he was drafted. But he just, he had not filled out. He's been he hurt. Has, he, well, yes, he's been hurt. He hasn't progressed as fast as they would hoped. No, he's been he's been hurt. And that well, that's part of it. That's part of why he hasn't been able to progress. But that's a huge blow for the organization. Um, that's a guy that you were hoping to get. I think his ETA for the. Majors was probably 2020. Maybe. I mean, 2020. Tw- well, it's going to get pushed back now, obviously. 2021, 2022. Yeah, you have to. He's got a big fastball. He's a big fastball with a good with a good, good slider, curveball mix-up. But my concern with that is, is how will Tommy John affect that? Will he lose some velocity on that? Uh, <laughs> most of these guys in the, in the pros, most of these guys that are, first of all, in the pros and then guys that are like the top 10 prospects in the organization – Tend to maintain their velocity because they put a lot of work into them. Sure. Um, and then he'll probably have it done by Dr. James Andrews down there in Florida. He'll be out for probably nine months to 12 months, depending on how it feels. 18 months before he gets back full control. He'll be fine. I think he'll probably still be pumping up 97, 98. Um, That's the best might, case scenario. Might lose a tick. Yeah. Might lose a tick or two, but he might come back with better control depending on how he. Because remember, what Tommy John does to you, it doesn't just... See, once you have your surgery, you do all this rehab to build the muscles around the tendon and around your shoulder, which makes you throw harder, which is why you see guys like 
you'll hear stories of guys like Chandler Day, for example, is a prime example of this, who had arm surgery in high school. Not Tommy Don, just had arm surgery, did a rehab, came back third 96, 97, um, before he was still 91, 92. And so you'll see these stories of guys that come back from Tommy John throwing harder. Um, it's because of all the rehab they did after the Tommy John surgery to help the arm get stronger. I mean, that used to be an injury. That that was like a career-threatening injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like maybe 20 years ago. Now sure. it's, like, it's like an ACL. Just out for the year, you're back. Little, little less. I mean, ACL is probably a little more common these days, but sure. UCL is becoming much more common in baseball, and they've got a lot of help to get the, get the guys back to where they need to be. That's a pretty big, yeah, no, no, that's pretty big news. Uh, if you're a Reds fan and you pay attention to the farm system, that's that's pretty concerning, regardless of how well ten, ten guys usually come back. That's still concerning. But turning back over to the football side of things, we just finished up talking about Emmanuel Ogbo. Then we also have to talk about the second name that didn't show up, Zach, and that was Duke Johnson. Yeah, I mean, it, it was honestly kind of expected. I was hoping that he would I mean it makes sense from his perspective with uh with Hunt once Hunt comes back from his suspension then obviously Duke will kind of um kind of fall off there and especially in like the number of carries that'll get so it makes sense from his perspective although the Browns are obviously in absolutely zero rush to trade him just based off of the fact that Hunt is suspended that and it's only a one-year deal too. Right. So I mean, if you're trading away Duke, you obviously have a plan of whether you're attacking a running back early in the draft or middle of the draft, and the following draft, or you feel confident that Hunt's gonna come back, play well enough, and then you have the confidence that you can sign him again. Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, Do you trade Duke for Ed Oliver? Well, that's, that's <laughs> never happening. But I mean, right, you well, also have to consider who's gonna who's drafting him. I mean, you still have a month until that even happens. Number three overall. He's not going that early. Did you not hear the prospect after his pro day? Quinton Williams is gonna go high. I mean, Quinton Williams is gonna be the first defensive tackle going. Period. That, that's end of story. Oliver is going to go at a decent rate, but I don't. I'd rather have Ed Oliver. Than I don't him. see Ed Oliver going within. Safe, I'd say he's outside the top five. Common knowledge, I believe he's outside the top ten. He's around ten to fifteen. And quite honestly, I feel like his best landing spot is probably the Falcons. I get it. He's a, he's a fast defensive tackle. I understand Don Terry Poe was the Chiefs fell in love with him because he displayed that. But I, I, I'm just looking up and down the rosters of teams that are in the top end of that draft. I don't know if they're. I feel this is more of a pass rusher heavy draft. Unless if you feel confident that you can convert him into a 3-4 defensive end. I just don't see him inside that top. I'll say safely top eight right now. We'll see. I'm thinking he's top top seven pick. We'll run down the names of the teams in the top five or top seven. So you have the Cardinals, which obviously are not taking him. Uh the 49ers seem all set on Nick Bosa. Um, Raiders are an X factor. I don't know what to expect with them at this point. He fits the profile. But the, I also see them really interested in Dwayne Haskins. I 
that's fits, a team but he where it's the profile. Well, and, you, and you know, and you know, but I don't think they're Gruden, dying. I don't think they're dying to Gruden get a defensive cried tackle for three days. I traded Cleo Mack. I don't see, Gruden but they need a pass anymore. rusher. I don't feel like they are necessarily looking for a defensive tackle. He can pass rush. Can he? Four, seven, sure, 40? but not as my defensive tackle. That what that about, speed what about, is what about, fast. What about the guys in the? Uh, the guys playing for the old. Uh, I'm not worried about his Rams. forty time. No, the Rams. What about them? They got three guys. They got two guys on the inside. Well, now they have one, but I mean, oh. Sue's a free agent. They'll resign him probably. I don't see it. They've got. Well, they got the other guy. See Aaron Donald. Well, yes, but Aaron Donald's got that first step. You know, you, did you watch Ed Oliver play? Yes. He's got that first step. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. That's his big knock is that he takes plays off and he kind of goes lazy into things. All right. We'll see. But we'll see. But I did After this pro I, day, people were ready to crown him the next Sam Donald or Aaron Donald. Look, I, I think he's good, but I don't think he's going top seven. That's fine. I, I do believe that he'll go above Rashawn Gary. I think Gary's way overrated. There's no reason for him to be in the top 10, in my opinion. Um, but we're getting completely off topic. Zach, one of the teams in conversation for Duke was the Eagles, but the Eagles have made a trade for Jordan Howard. I'm struggling to find a team out there that's... Well, there's teams interested. I have no doubt in that. Who's necessarily in the hunt for a running back? You know, honestly, I'm not entirely sure at this point. Um... And not just a running back, a running back of his style. Right. Saints always key somebody. We stockpile them. Yeah, but is it worth it? For Cardinals. Them? Cardinals. He's the same mold as David Johnson. I don't think they need that. Okay, Raiders? that's a very, very weak way to put it, but he plays the same Raiders? type of style. Raiders. Raiders could. I don't see why they would. Seahawks. Seahawks could, but I think they're happy with what they have with the likes of CJ Procise and uh, they have Penny still, the guy they drafted Texans. in the first round last year. Texans. I think they like Deontay Foreman if he can stay healthy. Uh, Lamar Miller is still there, but I don't know if they feel confident in that. They just lost Alfred Blue. He just signed with the Jaguars today. You got Miami. Miami feels like they're all in on Kenyon Drake, which I don't agree with, but they're in on Kenyon Drake and then also Kalen Balazs, who they got out of Arizona State in the draft last year. You might also see the the Jets come out of nowhere. Why? I mean, they just got Le'Veon Bell, who's pretty much has all those attributes, and they paid him the money for it. Anybody else? Did you already say the Panthers? No. Panthers are fine. They got McCaffrey. Yeah. Yeah, but you always need a number two. He's in every down back. But are they one of these teams? And it sounds like, from the sounds of it, there's teams that are just, you know, peppering the Browns, trying to get information on wh- what's going to take to get them. I don't see the Panthers as one of those teams knocking on the door. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I don't know. I Do I expect them to be traded? Yes. But can I pick a team out of the hat right now? No. I like the possibility of the Colts, but I feel like the Colts are high on Marlon back and his way of being a power horse back. But would they be happy with him as a flex running back? Sure, why not? I think that might be a team that's interested in that. But without further ado, we return the best segment 
of our week. You know what it is. Yeah, baby. What is what is you doing, baby? They got a basketball court, Dan. You're not put No, Dan. Dan, you was oh my god, baby. Oh, oh. Dan, baby, where is you going, baby? Who what is you doing back there, baby? All over the place, baby. Well, you gonna follow around home? Dan, baby, what is you doing, baby? Dan, baby. No, Dan, come on, Dan. You can't be touching everything, baby. Lord, baby, they all over the place. Alright, so Sal obviously didn't prepare this week because he doesn't have a story. So, Zach, I'll defer the first offering to you. All right, that's fine. Going down to the great state of Florida where all the best news stories come from. Headline, Florida man faked robbery so he wouldn't have to work at Hardee's. The story goes, authorities say a Florida man didn't want to go to his shift at Hardee's, so he called 911 to report that he had been robbed. Uh, the guy, Brian Anderson of Dundee, Florida, Told dispatchers Tuesday that two gun-carrying men took his necklace, money, and his phone before jumping into a car and driving away. Well, how did he call them? House phone, I guess? Uh, that's my best guess. Regardless, in a Facebook post, the agency said Anderson confessed, adding that, on the bright side, Brian didn't have to go to his 11 a.m. shift at the restaurant. <laughs> you work at Hardee's. Why would you just not show up? Like, it's not like you're working some high-profile job. Like, you just don't show up. What's the worst that can happen? It's Hardee's. Right. Uh, you know what? It sounds like the guy has a lot more issues than what's just being presented in that story itself. That's yeah. all I'll say on that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take this down to the home of ESPN's darling Zion Williamson, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Police say a man tried to hide alcohol on his breath with body spray. So authorities in South Carolina say a man sprayed Axe body spray in his mouth to cover a smell of alcohol as deputies approached during a traffic stop. The state newspaper reports that Spartansburg County Sheriff's deputies stopped 49-year-old Efren Mancia Ramirez on Saturday night after they had said he had sped past a deputy on Interstate 85 and swerved into another lane. Well, good start. Uh, the incident report says that a 12-pack of beer was on the floor and 10 cans of beers were nearly empty. The report says Mencia Ramirez had an open bottle between his legs and exhibited signs of intoxication and failed field sobriety tests. He faces charges including driving under the influence. On online records show that Mencia Ramirez was in custody. It wasn't immediately clear whether he had an attorney who would comment on the charges. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot there. I've firmly believed in my life when you're in a situation like this, I've never been in this exact situation. I, I just want to make not. that perfectly clear. I would hope not. But if you're in a situation where it's just all the evidence is laying around you, you just got to take the L. You just yeah. got to... Yeah, you... Like Bundy's team name last year, you just got to hold that L and just take it. Um, <laughs> oh, what I want to know is, were those like 10 bottles cans, was that all from like one trip or is this like collectively like on his drive home, he'll have a, have a couple roadies? That's a good question. It's not clear whether this was all in the one night or if it was uh, scattered over <laughs> several nights because if it was all in one night, I never want to kind of glorify... Ben's drinking and driving, but I mean, if he was able to at least handle himself on 10 beers, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to continue with what I was about to say, <laughs> but that's uh, that's pretty wild. That's pretty wild to think about how you could even, I, I'd be in bed. Are you kidding me? Well, also too, what, uh, I guess it is kind of important. What, what like scent of Axe was it? Oh, I don't like, know. It, it can doesn't you, say. And I would just, I'm curious now, like. Do you do you take can you taste the difference in the sense or does it just all just taste horrible? Isn't it harmful though? Like I don't know if you want to be ingesting those chemicals. Well, I mean, I don't think you can do any much more damage to a body 
than he's already been doing though putting down 10 beers well, and then driving so. yeah well hopefully he didn't do that all in one sitting but uh no yeah like i said we don't condone drinking and driving at all we are always against that we never want anybody to ever do that please call an uber or do something of that nature if you're ever in the situation where uh you need help like that bundy do you have anything or are you just you're out for today no, I'm, I'm out well that's the bundy least, out that's the least surprising thing i've heard all day <laughs> zach is there anything else you want to top off with uh hot shots had a big win last night they are now tied for first place in the western uh western division of the alliance of american football and the uh, the Blue Jackets are actually looking like a competent hockey team right now. I would tell you right now to, I hope you enjoyed everything with the AAF because supposedly there's a chance that they're making a decision on the future of the league as of possibly tomorrow. Well, and it, gotta, they were actually surprised it made it through the weekend. It's uh, No, you got to get through the championship. You got to crown the hotshots king. They were, they were surprised they even made it past this weekend. So uh, it, it sounds like their days are magically numbered because... Uh, Go figure, there's no money coming into that league at all. My heart is breaking. But, you know what? You can always remember that that chart you have is a memory keepsake that no one else will have. This is true. This is true. But for everybody here, Sal's doing whatever the hell he's doing. <laughs> um, For all of us here with the MLD show... Thank you for listening to episode 10. I don't know why you made it through this. We were a bunch of jackasses today, but we hope to hear from you next week. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>